You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton, Dylan Terriman, and Alex Varallo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. This is your host, Alex Varallo, joined by Dylan Tarman. Dylan, how are we doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing good. You know, get a big news bomb right before we go live, which is always nice to discuss and get our raw reaction. So lots to break down after a tough loss. Yes, uh, we definitely have a lot to get into here. There's been some breaking news that has come down within the last hour or so. We're going to get right into it tonight. Uh, We've got a recap for the Miami loss. We're going to do a preview of the Houston game. We're going to talk a little bit about this quarterback situation. We also have another uh you know, change in the roster and depth chart at the running back position. We're going to get into that as well. And then we're going to, you know, try to figure out and discuss some of these inconsistencies and these defensive failures that we've been noticing over the last few weeks. Uh, Jets had one of their closer matchups this year. Uh, Couldn't figure out a way to squeeze out a win. There was a lot of things that went wrong on Sunday. Uh, you know, you really can't point your finger at one given thing. It kind of seems like it was collective far as, you know, some, uh, you know, mistakes that came from, you know, players, mistakes that came from coaching and uh, management decisions, and then also special teams as well. So all across the board, uh, you know, the Jets figured out a way how to chalk up another loss. Uh, but before I get too far ahead here, just want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Mile Social. Um, if you're a company trying to improve your social media platform, go to milesocial.com and see how they can get your company going today. Uh, you can find them at M-I-L-E-S-O-C-I-A-L.com. That's milesocial.com. Okay, Dylan, let's jump right into this Miami Miami game preview here or recap. Uh, you know, I'll throw the ball to your court, uh, right to your lap here. Um, tell us what you saw um, and, and what your overall takes were. Uh, why did things not work out for us this Sunday? Yeah, first off, we'll start with Joe Flacco being the quarterback. He, I didn't think he looked terrible. He had that one fumble, which, uh, according to Sala in his Monday presser, said that it was a protection failure, not necessarily Joe holding on to the ball. He said the O-lineman or somebody on that side should have accounted for him. He didn't say specifically who. So it's good to see the fumble and the only turnover he made was not directly his fault. And then he had two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, Then you look, you know, Elijah Moore, stud of the month, you know, kind of growing into his own, becoming that wide receiver one that we've talked about, you know, in previous months uh, over here on the podcast. He had eight catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown with a 15-yard rush added on to it. So over 150 total yards. You love to see that. He had the big uh, the 62-yarder, which is the longest play for the Jets this season. So it's nice to see he's capping off the explosive with a, a touchdown. And then the other rookie, not so positive, but was having a good game, Michael Carter, nine carries for 63 yards, which is seven yards a pop. He had the big 39-yard run, which I don't. I think he was touched right away, so I guess all those yards were after contact, but he was slightly touched, so it was a big hole opened up on that left side for him. And then, unfortunately, you know, he went down with the injury. So we saw Tevin Coleman more so than Ty Johnson, and they didn't look too uh, inspiring with only 20 yards combined on the ground. And then, you know, the, the real killer was the one for four in the red zone and two missed field goals which both were outside of the red zone. So they technically weren't in the red zone for either of those four or the three misses in the red zone. You know, the one conversion was the touchdown to Jamison Crowder that you like to see. 
And then, like you said, uh, you can't really point fingers on the defense. Overall, it was just a, a bend-don't-break kind of game, and they just broke in the wrong situations. They had really crucial penalties. Uh, uh, Pinnock had the holding penalty on third and three where they were about to get off the field. And Sala said, you know, he excuses that for, you know, aggressive play. He'll never, you know, you know, negate that. And then John Franklin Myers had a roughing the passer penalty, which multiple times he said is inexcusable and unacceptable. So that was two of the, the seven penalties they had. And quite frankly, they basically led to the, to the downfall of the team because they came at a 14 to 14 point, which put the Dolphins up seven and then to extend the drive when the Dolphins were already up seven and they ended up kicking a field goal and putting the game out of reach essentially, excuse me, essentially. So unfortunately they lose to Miami. They also lose to themselves. They didn't get a lot of help from the refs, but that's not my area of expertise. So we won't go down that rabbit hole, but all in all, some positives to take away, but just another tough one. Yeah, um, completely agree. Good breakdown there. Uh, you know, a couple things that come off the top of my head here is, you know, from the coaching side, a um, little bit of a mismanagement with our uh, timeouts. Um, you have that bizarre scenario where we're going for a 56-yard field goal, but it was intentional to take the delay of game penalty. Um, I'm sure there was plenty of people, you know, at the game or, at home that were scratching their heads, understand not understanding what was going on in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it looks bad, even though that that was what they were anticipating to do. Um, again, you know, you brought up the uh, penalties, two of them really, really crucial um, on the defensive side. So, you know, that always, you, you know, hurts you. It's like shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, you know, quoting Robert Sala, apparently, the Jets had seven opportunities where they were in um, the enemy's territory to put up points. You only come away with 17. That's really not going to cut it in this league. Uh, you know, special teams, we have a couple missed field goals from Amendola. Uh, you know, you're leaving points on the, on the board there. Um, just really, really not good. You know, he makes those two field goals. It's a one-point game, a lot different scenario going into the fourth quarter. You know, it changes the way the play calling goes and, you know, situation football as well. So mm-hmm. there was a lot that, that did really draw up well here. You know, one thing that kind of discouraged me is with Michael Carter um, looking so hot, you know, the Jets only ran the ball 16 times with their running backs and um, or maybe 17 times. Um, Got to look at my numbers here again. It could be 16 times. So, I really don't think that that's good for a team that that's struggling, especially in a situation where the game was close and we weren't being blown out. Um, you know, I understand you're trying to make plays and you're trying to get the ball out quickly because there was a lot of cover zero blitz going on from Miami. So the, the pressure meter was dialed up. Surprised to see that, you know, Flacco came away unscathed, um, you know, he was pressured a few times, but he did, you know, the vet in him, he got the ball out really quickly. So I really can't complain, you know, too, too much with the offense, um, except for, you know, some of the uh, the drives that, you know, we fell short. And, you know, like you said, the fumble, really, really can't blame the quarterback on that. That was a protection failure. Um, you know, Elijah Moore, um Thank God for him. He's probably the only positive thing that's really going on that can give us hope for this offense moving forward. Uh, you know, love to see what he's doing. He's separating. He's, you know, getting yards after the catch. He's making big plays. You know, that, that long touchdown that he had was extremely exciting. Um, you know, he's flourishing right before us. And these are all the things that we've been talking about. And it's glad to see that, you know, he's living up to some of the expectations that we had. Uh, really unfortunate with Michael Carter. Um, hope he kind of gets through this, this ankle injury quickly. Uh, really can't have any more setbacks. Um, Jets have had enough. And, and now, you know, the running back situation looks a little grim. Not really sure, and, you know, who's going to get the opportunity. We'll get into that later tonight. Um, but, yeah, that, that kind of brings a lot of questions for me on where this offense is going to go. And, and now we've got some quarterback news. Um, 
that's come through and kind of alarming here, you know, Joe Flacco and Mike White uh, both get put onto the uh, COVID list and uh, this elevates Zach Wilson um, possibly, you know, immediately as the starter. Uh, That's what we're assuming at this point. Uh, We know Josh Johnson's, you know, uh, still available. We don't know if something's going to change as we get closer to Sunday, but right now we're anticipating Zach Wilson to take the nod back. Um, you know, Dylan, that was going to be one of our topics of conversation tonight was, you know, where do we go moving forward? Do we continue to go with Joe Flacco or, you know, when do we deploy Zach Wilson? Looks like the Jets' hand is being forced here. Off air, you and I were talking about a comment that Salah had made about how he was uh, not going to be putting Zach out there until he had 100% confidence and he was completely forgetting, you know, um, that or favoring that, that injured knee. So what, what's your reaction to the Flacco news and, um, you know, Zach Wilson possibly getting the, uh, the nod this Sunday? Yeah, it's, it's definitely unfortunate because, uh, well, it's, it's unfortunate definitely because Joe Flacco was the guy that started last week. But this week upcoming, you were expecting Joe Flacco or Zach Wilson to start. I was in the camp of Joe Flacco should probably start unless Zach Wilson is 100%. Now with this news, it seems like Zach Wilson may be 100%, but is still going to start. We're not quite sure. I was, you know, I thought Flacco did a really good job like we had just broke down. He didn't have any turnovers that were on him or, you know, mistakes. So I thought he was, you know, he earned a second game in my opinion, unless Zach is fully healthy. Now I think the conversation kind of switches to we'll have the Jets will have four active quarterbacks on the roster on the 53 man roster once Flacco and Mike White return from the COVID list and due to Flacco being unvaccinated it's a minimum 10 day stay on the COVID list so you're looking at this game and potentially next game that he can't even be available for which means that promoting Josh Johnson from the practice squad this would be his third time upcoming. And after three times, if I am reading the the rule correctly, is you have to promote him to the 53. So Josh Johnson will have to stay on the 53 and he can't go back down to the practice squad. So that leaves a, you know, a question for Joe Douglas when Flacco returns and you have four active quarterbacks of, do you cut Flacco who you just traded for and, you know, have to kind of justify to the fan base? Or do you cut Josh Johnson, who's been with the team the whole time and, you know, came in in a pinch and, you know, didn't look terrible. So, you know, the conversation about who should start, unfortunately, has been decided this way, whether Zach is healthy or not. And it just creates more more distraction around the whole thing because now people think it's only because Joe Flacco is on the COVID list that Zach is starting. So that would insinuate he's not fully healthy. So it's just a, a complete mess, as always. You'd think we'd have a, a steady situation going at some point here in New York. But, you know, we could be looking at a fourth starting quarterback if Johnson is the guy. But, you know, Wilson has to be healthy. And if he's not healthy, it just makes the whole situation ten times worse. Yeah, it, that that's definitely a very, very good point um, to bring up here because – you know, the the offense is starting to get into a rhythm with certain players. Um, you know, apparently it doesn't really matter for Elijah Moore, which is good. So hopefully he can just continue to, to you know, be the hot hand for Zach. Um, but, yeah, it opens up a lot of questions here on where the offense is going to go moving forward. Um, we saw a lot of struggles with Zach earlier in the year. Uh, just curious to see if we're going to see a – a quicker pace offense when he comes in and is he going to be able to do some of the things that we've seen, you know, Mike White do in Cincinnati and uh, Flacco do this past weekend in Miami. Um, You know, a a lot's going to, uh, I guess, you know, shine light on Zach Wilson's situation on how much he's grown, how much he's learned from his time, um, you know, healing up from this knee injury. So, you know, it, it, it definitely seems alarming, you know, given the, the news, um, you know, kind of a bold move by the Jets to bring in a player, um, 
you know, who wasn't unvaccinated and knowing the ramifications of that and having a situation mm-hmm. with Denzel Mims and Mims hasn't been cleared yet. So really not sure what's going on with that as well. Uh, but yeah, you know, we kind of seemed like we were a whole, all the way ahead of this, you know, pandemic and, you know, now it's starting to, to come back and, and resurface. So, um, you know, just a, an odd situation and, you know, kind of odd to be talking about this still. And, uh, but this is what the current, uh, you know, state of the Jets are. And, um, you know, Zach is the future and we were anticipating him coming back. We weren't expecting him to come back in this manner. Um, and now we just really hope that, you know, some of the changes that have been made, um, cause you know, Greg Van Roten was demoted, um, just like you had mm-hmm. mentioned last week. Um, that there could be a possible offensive line change at right guard. That definitely did happen. Um, you know, now we're going to have to see if, if that continues to be the right move. Um, you know, looking at some of the injury news um, that I have written down here, uh, we know Carter's going to be out this week and possibly a couple weeks with that ankle injury. Um, news is that Becton should be available to, to return after week 13. You know, that's a very interesting situation. George Fant's been holding down the spot. Um, so do you mix up the offensive line again um, when Zach Wilson's coming back and trying to get this all figured out? Um, very, very tough decisions that are going to have to uh, be made by LaFleur and, and uh, Sala and, and Joe Douglas uh, with this offense and, and this um, offensive line specifically. So, um, I'm, I'm not really sure, you know, how what this is going to do for our offense, if it's going to be a boost or if this is going to, you know, we're going to have to take a step back um, because maybe there's some limitations that come with Zach Wilson that, um, you know, they feel more confident with a, a veteran like Joe Flacco. Uh, yeah, we're going to see, you know, um, a lot this Sunday. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of hoping that, Zach can just kind of pick up and, and run with this offense and, and mm-hmm. do a good job because if he has setbacks, um, you know, clearly this is going to, you know, be the negative conversation that, that goes down the, the stretch of the season here. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough yeah. because you, you, want, you want to see all this development out of Zach Wilson when he steps on the field, and you would hope that he's learned enough of, you know, from the film of watching the other coaches that they can expand the playbook to him. My only thing is that I hope Jets fans don't get too over expectations for this specific week being, you know, a down opponent in Houston and a, a winnable game. I feel like they're going to still try to ease them back in, but you're absolutely right. This is going to be, you know, the next six, seven games are going to be a towel hall for, you know, the next portion of Zach Wilson's career. Is he going to be able to, come back from the adversity and, and shine and will the offense be able to continue to flourish and open up with him at the helm? Because what we've seen with the veteran quarterbacks is that the offense can look good. So it's going to be on him a lot. It's going to be on the floor a lot, but yeah, it's definitely going to be an important stretch of games to determine the the near future for the Jets. Yeah. And I think what's kind of crazy is that, uh, the Texans lose to Miami two weeks ago, uh, nine to seventeen. So that was a close game, and then they beat the eight and three um, Tennessee Titans. Um, you know, we also beat them as well um, mm-hmm. in a very very close game. But this was a little bit uh, alarming, and a lot of people were not expecting the Texans to win this past game. So, you know, they might be trending in the right direction, and we might be catching. Um, another equally as bad team at the wrong time. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with everything that we've talked about, you know, every week we, we seem to see some sort of dramatic uh, roster change with particular positions. Um, you know, going into this game, we were having some changes at safety and changes at cornerback. Uh, we were, you know, putting in a new quarterback. Now we're implementing another new quarterback, and we're still not sure who's going to go out there next week in the secondary because a lot of these guys struggled. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of youth out there. There's a lot of inexperience. So um, really, really, really crazy to to think about, you know, how the Jets are going up against a team that is pretty equivalent. They're both 2-8. and 
they're both ranked, you know, in the bottom of the barrel of the NFL. Um, you know, Jets defensively, I believe, is are the worst team in the league, ranked at 32nd. Um, mm-hmm. Houston's not, not that much better, ranked at 28th. Um, we do have a little bit of a better offense. I'm looking at the offensive rankings right now. Jets are ranked 21st in the league. Houston's ranked 32nd. Uh, you know, both teams let a lot of yards up on the ground, averaging over 130 yards per game. And uh, as far as the pass defense is concerned, Houston's slightly better at 27th. And you have the Jets at 32nd. So this is a, a pretty close matchup as far as equally as bad teams. But, mm-hmm. man, this is just a, a really, really bad situation for the Jets going into this week. Uh, the injuries continue to pile up. Changes keep happening. Um, definitely does not make it easy uh, for, for a young coach in, in Sala and LaFleur. Um and another position that's been um, affected dramatically is the running back position with Michael Carter being out. Let's oh, yeah. talk about the, the running back room right now, Dylan. Um, you know, I have two guys in mind that obviously are going to be getting majority of these carries. It's Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson. Um, and one guy that's probably been forgotten of because we haven't seen head or hair in a very long time is LaMichael Piron. So who's going to be the next man up here? Um, and who do you think uh, gives our offense the best boost? Yeah, I was I was waiting to get into this talk because this also affects Zach Wilson and the quarterback position as well because you, you mentioned it a couple segments back, just the sheer number of rushing attempts last week was only 16 or 17. So I did some rankings research myself, and I looked up the Jets' run offense, and right now they have – 209 attempts, which is dead last in the league, for 789 yards, which is 29th in the league, and only six rushing touchdowns, again, 29th in the league. So they're bottom four in every single rushing category offensively, according to pro football reference. And they just lost their best running back. So now you're looking at veteran Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson, who we've talked about has been, you know, here on and off, you know, disappearing and then reappearing again. So it's really tough that Michael Carter at this moment when Zach Wilson's coming back is facing this injury. But if I had to pick one, I'm picking Tevin Coleman. He's somebody that's proved it in the league before. He's thrived in the system on a limited basis. He's been hurt a lot of times, like in his time with San Francisco. But when he, he's out there and he gets the, the workload, he can actually make the most of it. Like we saw with Michael Carter, he was <clears throat> getting the bulk of the, the carries before the injury. So I think Tevin Coleman should be the guy. And I'm not saying don't sprinkle in Ty Johnson or Will Michael Pirine because they're going to need three running backs. So Pirine's going to have to come up off the practice squad and he'll have to, or a healthy scratch rather. So he'll have to be active and, you know, participate in the game plan. This past week, they split the carries or the snaps rather 33% each. I know that, you know, could be fluctuated due to mm. Carter's injury, but if that's anywhere near the formula going forward, we're going to need to see a lot more production out of this group. So we're hoping Tevin Coleman is the guy. Obviously, you know, he's good pass catcher too, and he's been returning kicks as well. So he's kind of been doing it all for us. So we're just going to have to lean on the, the veteran that they, they know and trust. Yeah, uh, I, I also agree uh, that Tevin Coleman is probably going to be the guy that gets the nod as the number one back, and I assume that, uh, you know, Ty Johnson will be the, the change of pace. But I would like to, if, if healthy, I would like to see Michael P. Ryan get involved. Um, haven't seen much of him. I was expecting him to kind of provide a little bit of that uh, power back role you know, last yep. year we saw him, you know, utilized a lot on outside sweeps and, um, you know, just runs that, you know, are more focused toward the perimeter. Um, but when you look at Ty Johnson, you know, he's come on as a receiving back, and we haven't really seen too much in between the tackles, so that's probably why Coleman might get a little bit of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, might be ahead in the race for being, you know, running back number one in this upcoming week, but 
looking at the history of Coleman, he is more of a scat back. He's more of a receiving back. He was traditionally the change of pace back. So we're, we're asking a lot of these running backs to kind of do things that they traditionally haven't done in the past. So I'm not too, too confident about, uh, you know, what these running backs may be able to do this weekend. The only fortunate thing that we have is that we are going up against a pretty poor defense. So um, that is going to be somewhat beneficial. Um, you know, this stretch of the road with our schedule is the easiest. So the Jets really need to uh, find ways to be more productive. You know, if they end up having a stinker and not putting up more than 20 points against one of the bottom teams in the league defensively, uh, that, that that's really going to be alarming. And that will speak volumes as far as, you know, how well this team is being coached and, and how well their game plans are being put together. So, yep. um I, I would like to see Ty Johnson emerge. Um, he was kind of, you know, the dark horse that I saw from training camp this year that I thought was really, really going to, um, you know, give an opportunity to uh, elevate, you know, his play. Uh, we really have not seen too much of that. Uh, you know, we have a couple games where he's, you know, been involved as a receiver and he's done some good things. But, you know, one of the conversations we had last week was what was his role going to be like in Miami. And uh, we got our answers. It was significantly reduced. Uh, He had one rushing attempt for five yards, and he had one reception for eight yards. Um, You know, as you said, he had a lot more snaps than that, but um, only touching the ball twice uh, last week kind of shows that, you know, with a healthy Michael Carter and Tevin Coleman, he, he is clearly being phased out. Um, now it looks like the Jets are going to have to, uh, you know, increase his role. And, uh, you know, if he takes advantage and, and he shows well against you know, the Texans this weekend, obviously that will be very, very good for Zach Wilson because having a strong running game for your rookie quarterback I think is essential. Um, you know, some of the numbers that you just brought up about our attempts and, and where we rank in the league is very alarming. Uh you know, I don't feel like that's the right recipe that you should have together for your offense when you're dealing with an inexperienced quarterback. So, uh, you know, the Jets should focus more on, you know, trying to run the ball, pound that rock. You know, this will reduce the amount of turnovers. You know, you may be able to uh, catch the Houston Texans off guard with a little play action, um, get Zach moving. You know, don't want to put too much pressure on that knee. But, uh, you know, I think that, implementing a strong running game is going to be good for Zach and good for the offense. And, and we definitely need to see that moving forward. Um, any more moves over the next few weeks? Cause you know, having three running backs right now is fine, but you know, as we've seen um, position groups, you know, we, we stack up our injuries and then we go from having a plentiful amount of players in one spot to having just a very, you know, very few. So uh, I, I would not so be, too shocked if they if they pick somebody else up off the waiver wire, um, you know, yep. sooner than later. Go somebody ahead, actually came available today, and I wanted to ask your opinion on potentially picking him up because I believe he has crossover with the Kubiak system, and that's Philip Lindsay, the Texans. The Texans, look at that. They uh, cut him earlier today, and I believe in 2018 he was under Kubiak the son of uh, Gary Kubiak was the one of the assistant coaches there, I believe. So I think there's crossover in the system. So we'll see. I mean, I think that's an intriguing option. I'm not sure if they're feeling that way or not. I, I think a move might have to be made considering they don't seem to have a lot of confidence in the Michael Pirine, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts on Philip Lindsay specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's definitely a very talented back. I know he had some success in Denver. Um, and then, you know, he was just kind of phased out. Uh, definitely has some, some juice left in the tank, I would think. And that would be a Patriot move, you know, a Bill Belichick move to, to pick up somebody yep. off the waivers from the, you know, the opposing week. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, if you're going to template anybody in this league, I would think that you would want to, um, you know, steal a page from a chapter out of the Bill Belichick book. So if, if they did do that, it's just the way everybody else does it. I mean, we've seen, you know, uh, the Jets, I think, picked up 
Morgan, James Morgan, um, just before we played Carolina. And, and we've seen the Patriots pick up numerous Jets players in the past. Um, more than likely just yep. to pick their brain and, and find out what we've got going on internally and, and use that info, put together a better game plan than us. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, our record against the Patriots clearly has shown that those type of moves do work. So um, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, and at this point, when you've only won two games on <laughs> the entire season, uh, whatever it takes to get a W. Um, if that means right. yep. bringing in Philip, Philip Lindsay just for a week, uh, so be it. Um, you know, I would justify that in a heartbeat. Um, don't know what he could bring, you know, in a few days, but, uh, you know, if that does give us any sort of advantage, uh, just got to, you know, definitely take it, uh, seize the opportunity there. Um, but, uh, you know, another position that, um, we were talking about last week, Dylan, and I want to go over to the defensive side real quick, if we can. Um, was the cornerback position. We were talking about uh, Javelin Gidry possibly mm-hmm. getting the nod at corner, and it looks like Isaiah Dunn um, was deployed, and, and he got an ample amount of uh, opportunities. Um, was that something that you were expecting? I mean, he played 100% of the snaps, um, and I'm trying to find Gidry right now. Um, I know we, we talked about uh, Pinnock, who only had seven snaps in the game, and looks like Gidry only had five. So I was mm-hmm. anticipating more Javelin Gidry in this game. It looks like Isaiah Dunn um, got all the uh, the chances. So um, what are your thoughts on the cornerback position? Yeah, according to Pro Football Reference, it has Bryce Hall and Isaiah Dunn playing 99% of the snaps. I assume that's all but one. So 71 out of 72 mm-hmm. total snaps. And then they had Michael Carter on for 66 snaps, which is 92%. So they were in the nickel a lot. So I was, you know, yeah. a little bit surprised that, that Gidry didn't get as many looks. You know, he only had five snaps, like you just said. So I'm sure that was only in the dime package. And then Jason Pinnock probably came on, you know, in spell of certain situations, probably for Michael Carter, where they needed, like, a bigger slot guy. So – you know, I was definitely surprised that they just handed Dunn 100 snaps, uh, 100% of the snaps, rather. Um, I thought mm-hmm. he didn't look too too great. He had uh, the one play to Mac Hollins where I believe it was uh, Elijah Riley was coming down into, like, the flat area to get the, the curl route, and some uh, Mac Hollins just took the slot fade. 65 yards it was right over his head there was nothing the safety over top could do about it so you know little things like that that were probably a communication error that is on done and you know he's thrown into the fire so you expect these types of things but I thought they were going to pull him after that they kept with him I was really really happy about that so overall I mean you know all the uh, secondary played well Uh, Ashton Davis had his first uh, career interception which was awesome take advantage of the the Tua overthrow because it seems like the Jets, you know, get those opportunities and can't take advantage. So it's nice to see. And then even Elijah Riley, who they just signed a week and a half ago, played yeah. 89% of the snaps. So it's really good that they're, they're trusting the young guys. You know, you don't want to see the mistakes from Dunn, but I think they'll probably roll with this similar formula of percentages going forward in the secondary and Gidry will just have to be that spot guy that comes in and, plays a little bit of everything when anybody goes down. So I liked it. I, you know, there's so, only so much Isaiah Dunn can do being an undrafted free agent, but I thought so, so far so good in what he played with yesterday or Sunday rather. Right. Yeah. I was actually very alarmed when I saw, you know, how much opportunity Elijah Riley got, like you said, um, he just <laughs> signed to the team, um, you know, less than two weeks ago. And uh, we didn't really know much about him or, you know, how he was going to be used and, you know, ends up having 64 snaps on the day. Um, so he was definitely utilized a lot. You know, the defense just continues to baffle me and their struggles, you know. Um, they came away with this game with uh, zero sacks, um, completely unacceptable. Uh, you know, Miles Gaskin, you know, took advantage and, and ran, uh 
you know, didn't have over 100 yards. I think he ended up with 89 total on the day, and he had some receptions to go as well. Um, you know, and I think he had a receiving touchdown. So, you know, they had trouble with Miles Gaskin. They they, they struggled with uh, the tight end, Mike Gesicki, at certain times. And then, as you said, you know, we talked about Waddle. I don't think we were anticipating that big play from, from Matt Collins, but we have seen – um, you know, our defense get burned and let up bigger plays throughout the last couple of weeks. And, and that definitely seems to be a theme that, that continues to occur. And that's something that I think, you know, Robert Fowler really needs to address is, you know, putting his guys in the right position so that we stop getting gashed on these big plays. Um, you know, the Miami Dolphins have struggled, you know, on, on both sides of the ball and, and, you know, they looked like they handled us pretty darn well, um, even though the mm-hmm. score may not have anticipated that. And it was relatively closer um, than you think. I mean, Miami misses that that 30-yard chip shot at the end of the half. You know, that's a big play for them. So the Jets get lucky there. Um, you know, and uh, there were some penalties that were also given up. And, uh we saw Michael Carter do some good things, and, and he got called for a penalty one play, and um, I think Kosicki was pushing on another. So we saw a little bit of struggles um, with the Jets covering the tight end. We saw them struggle with them getting to the quarterback. Um, these are things that have to improve moving forward. Um, and it, it kind of really, really reflects on how important Marcus May was for this defense. Number one, his ability to cover the oh, tight yeah. end. He was absolutely phenomenal in deep coverage. So a lot of these big plays that we're seeing may have been negated. Uh, play on words there. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, obviously his run support. You know, we know that he's fearless when it comes to the run game. So the Jets are really, really, um, you know, transitioning into a new world without some, you know, premier players on this defense. And I'm mm-hmm. very, very shocked because, we paid John Franklin Myers and haven't really seen too much of him since he's gotten his payday. Uh, Quinnen Williams shows flashes here and there. He's been a little quiet as of late. Um, same thing with a, a lot of these other guys on the defensive line right now. And, uh, you know, even C.J. Mosley, um, he ends up getting into a friendly fire situation um, yeah. where one of his own teammates, you know, sideswipes him in the, in the side of the helmet and he gets up very slowly and gingerly and, you know, a little alarming there because the last thing that the Jets need um, is to lose their defensive captain. Um, mm-hmm. You know, defensively right now, Quinnen Williams and C.J. Mosley are the most talented guys, maybe on this entire roster, um, that we have. They really can't afford to have them miss any time or, or have any downplay at all. And, you know, right now, both of them seem to be in a little bit of a downslope. Um so, you know, we haven't heard anything about Mosley's head situation. Um, don't know if he went into concussion proco- uh, protocol. Uh, but, yeah, this really, really seems scary. And what do you think is going on with this defense right now? You know, is it is it mainly Robert Sala just not getting um, the right game plan put together? Is it is it the talent that's out? Um, you know, wh- what do you see through your eyes, Dylan? I think it's a a mixture of things. Similarly to how we saw the offense struggle in the beginning of the year, and we were wondering, oh, is it LaFleur? Is it Wilson? Is it the line? Is it the receivers? I think we're getting a similar, you know, taste of that with the defense. We're wondering, is it the pass rush? Is it the coverage? Is it the linebackers in the middle? And I really, I truly think it's a lot of, a lot of everything. Up front, you know, you're not really getting to the quarterback like you just said. You're not getting the tackles for loss or the sacks per game that, you know, they should be getting. I'll give credit to Tua and the Dolphins because they had a very good game plan as far as getting the ball out quickly. That's their style of offense. But the Jets know that, and they know that they need to get home quicker when it comes to playing the RPO-style offense. So, you know, I can excuse a little bit of it this week. They had, you know, some close calls. And then, of course, the one penalty on Franklin Myers, which is inexcusable. 
But in the past weeks, they, there's no excuse for not getting home with the talent on this defensive line. And then from there, it just kind of snowballs because in, in the NFL, you can only pick pass rush or coverage on your defense. It's very hard to have both. There's some teams that do, like the Packers when they're fully healthy or the Rams, and they, you see it. It's an elite defense. But with the Jets, they chose to, to prioritize pass rush. So, you know, Carl Lawson, we can't do anything about that now. But the interior pressure, Kyle Phillips coming back was nice. You know, they have a solid rotation on the outside. But those guys are supposed to be what wins up front to make up for the the struggles on the back end. And we saw that in the beginning of the year. They were getting home. They were getting to the quarterback, pressuring him. And we were saying, oh, these corners are fine. Everybody looks really good. And now that the, the pass rush isn't getting home, the coverage is struggling on the back end. They can't contain their, their assignments for more than two, three, four seconds, and they're getting chunked up in the pass game. But now you get into the linebackers, and the linebackers have just been a complete mess, other than C.J. Mosley. You know, Jared Davis, we've talked about him for the past two weeks. Finally, they replaced him with Quincy Williams, and you, you automatically see a difference in the second level of the defense. He's, you know, 15 tackles, 10 solo, two for a loss, and he hits people like a freight train. I believe it was Glenn that tweeted it out, but I don't think there's anybody that hits harder right now on this defense than Quincy Williams. So it's nice to see the second level of the defense getting back with the linebackers. Obviously, Mosley takes the hit, so that's going to be a new wrinkle in how they do things. We saw Delshawn Phillips come in for Mosley, and we saw Davis come in for Quincy Williams, so it's going to be weird how they use that rotation. But yeah, it's it's a lot of a lot of everything on defense that's the problem. But you know, it all starts up front with pass rush, just like Sal has been saying these past few uh, these few weeks. Yeah, and, and that's what really racks my brain here is because that's the one position group that I felt most confident about. I I feel that they have an abundance of players, um, even though they lost. Uh, Vinnie Curry and, and a Carl mm-hmm. Lawson quite early in the process, but you know they bring in Track Lawson. They acquired Sheldon Rankins. We still have trench guys like Nate Shepard and Solorenzo Fadokasi, and you know uh, Kyle Phillips just got activated, and he was you know active in this game. Didn't end up with anything significant. Can't really expect too much from him because he's missed a lot of time. And, you know, mm-hmm. some people may have forgotten about Kyle Phillips and his abilities. You know, kind of a, a Swiss Army knife. He's, he has the ability to play defensive line or D-tackle. He can stand up and give you a little outside linebacker play. Um, I wouldn't trust him too much in, in a coverage role, but, you know, in a run-stopping role as an outside linebacker or as a pass rusher, I think he can be useful. So, uh, I'm curious to see, you know, if he gets more snaps and opportunities, you know, as we move forward down the line. Um, you know, I, I like Phillips a lot, and I think that he has got some talent. Um, I'm just curious on, on where he fits in um, because there's so much that, you know, we I did, and, you know, I'm sure you did as well, looking at Robert Sala's defense, looking at San Francisco, kind of trying to see – you know, what pieces of the puzzle on our team fits with what they were doing over there and, um, mm-hmm. you know, trying to understand his scheme. And, you know, in the first half of the season, um, you know, it seemed like they were doing all right as as far as, you know, holding their own against the run. Um, as far as their pass coverage, they were keeping a lot of things in front of them by, by playing this drop zone defense. And, uh, you know, now that May is gone and, They've had some changes to the linebacker group and the cornerback group. Um, it really seems all over the place. Um, you know, some guys are probably, you know, have their head, you know, spinning right now trying to figure out what their role is, you know, where guys are supposed to be. You know, when you're playing zone, you really have to not only know what your role is, but you have to know what your teammates' roles are around you in case if you guys have to switch off and, and change, you know, responsibilities. Um, can get very, very confusing very fast. Um, but, you know, let's um, we got 15 minutes left here, so let's continue to focus in on this Houston game. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, 
the Texans are coming off um, probably their best win of the season against the Tennessee Titans. And uh, we're going up against uh, Tyrod Taylor. Um, we've gone up against him numerous times when he was in Buffalo. I don't know how many Jets players on the current roster um, were around when he was still relevant with the Bills. But uh, he is a familiar face for the fans. And, um, you know, what what do you feel like the Jets have to do to beat a Tyrod Taylor? Is this something where we're going to have to run more of a QB contain because he's got that mo- the, the mobility aspect? Or is this going to be something where the Jets should pin their ears back and try to dial up the pressure as much as possible? Yeah, it's definitely going to be a tough balance because even last week you look at his stats in the win against Tennessee – and they weren't very inspiring in the areas, 14 of 24 for 107 yards, but he did have the two rushing touchdowns. So, you know, he's always a threat to take off and run. It's going to be interesting who they decide to play that spy role, whether it's Jared Davis, who there's a video of him viral uh, on Twitter playing QB spy against, I think, Patrick Mahomes, where he just doesn't look like he's playing spy at all and it just looks very silly. So it'll be interesting to see who they choose as the spy player. But I I hope that it's a similar, you know, outcome of what we saw last time Tyrod Taylor faced the Jets. And I just hope that the only difference this time is that Davis Mills is not rookie quarterback uh, Baker Mayfield in 2018 who can lead the comeback Mm. because Mm -hmm. that was the last time Tyrod Taylor faced the Jets was that week three against Cleveland where we were getting all over him. And I believe he left with a concussion he was only 4 of 14 for 19 yards. We sacked him three times, and it looked like the Jets were going to, you know, roll to a victory early on. They made the switch to Baker Mayfield, and the Jets ended up losing 21-17, to 17, and that was the, the game that all the Bud Light fridges got opened up for Browns fans, ending the streak. <laughs> so, you know, it's really uh, funny how timelines all come back. Now the Texans have a rookie quarterback, and hopefully – if he has to play, he doesn't come in and lead a comeback victory. But I think it's going to be a lot of, you know, four-man pressure and hope, hopefully that we can take advantage of the Texans, you know, pretty porous offensive line. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking through the Houston Texans roster right now, and, and my God, you know, really can't, um, you know, talk too much trash about their team given the situation with ours that we're looking at right now. Um, right, yeah. You know, I had I had no idea that Rex Burkhead was, was their lead dog <laughs> yep. as far as their running back last week. A um, little bit of a blast from the past because the last time I heard his name, he was in a Patriot jersey. So it's mm-hmm. interesting to see, you know, where, where he's gone in his travels across the league. Um, you know, I believe that they – the old uh, David Johnson, who was relevant with the um, Arizona Cardinals. You know, he's been yep. injury-plagued um, since he's left them, but he still does seem to have, um, you know, a role within this um, offense, you know, kind of splitting the duties with Burkhead. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the Jets can handle that because Burkhead is a little bit more of a power back, kind of smashes the ball in between the tackles. And then David Johnson, um, you know, has that ability. We haven't really seen much of it in years, but he can be a threat as a receiver. And he also, um, when given space, you know, can can run, you know, 15, 20-yard scampers here and there. So most certainly the Jets are going to have to focus on containing Taylor, um, you know, stopping the run um, and give themselves – better field position opportunities uh, for Wilson and company. You know, as far as their receiving core, um, you know, it's not really, really too much to be too worried about. I'm sure the Jets will, you know, make somebody look good because we usually do. Uh, but, you know, names of relevance here, Brandon Cooks, you know, he's an oldie but a goodie. Um, you know, he's got the ability to stretch the defense. So, um, whoever your fastest guy or best in deep coverage, you know, you want to be sure that you have Cooks accounted for, you know, Chris Conley, former Jacksonville guy, and um, I believe with the Chiefs as well. Uh, really, really not too alarmed with him. Uh, you know, if Isaiah Dunn 
could improve his play from what you know that he had last week to to this upcoming week. Um, I have no concerns with Bryce Hall. I think he's quite solid, and I don't think there's a guy or I mean a receiver on the Texans team that can compete with him. Um, mm-hmm. So there are some good things that you know are going toward the Jets' um, favor. You know, but at the end of the day, you're talking about um, the 32nd ranked defense first. You know. Um, the 32nd ranked offense. So could be some ugly football out here. Um, but if, if the Jets are going to come away with a win, um, you know, now's the time. And um, might as well, you know, do it right now. Let's do a little prediction here. Um, my prediction I wrote down is the Jets, and, and this was, I wrote this prediction not knowing who our quarterback is going to be, and, and I'm going to stick mm-hmm. with it. Uh, I'm not going to discredit it because, you know, Wilson's coming back. Um, but yeah, I, I can see the Jets winning this like 26 to 20, um, as long as they can limit their turnovers and, and just focus on, you know, pounding the football and, 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 you know, maybe somebody comes out, um, and, and, and has a breakout game besides Elijah Moore. I do feel like the Jets could win this game. Um, how do you see it, Dylan? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. It's definitely a winnable matchup and, one that when the schedule came out, you looked at this upcoming stretch of games in Houston, New Orleans, and Philly, and you're like, all right, well, at least we should be able to get some competitive games, hopefully some competitive wins in there. So my prediction is is similar to yours. It's only 20 to 17, a little bit less than the scoring. I feel like despite being bad defenses, they're also pretty bad offenses. The Jets, surprisingly, are third in passing attempts overall in the season and ninth in yards. So that'll be interesting to see if that passing production continues with Zach Wilson back. But yeah, absolutely. Definitely a winnable game. Uh, The only player I'd say of note on the the Texans offense outside of Brandon Cooks would be rookie wide receiver, Nico Collins. He doesn't play a terrible, uh, you know, great deal of snaps. He plays about 50 to 60%. And last week he wasn't really featured, but he's somebody that is is lengthy and can stretch the field and is somebody that we haven't necessarily went up against this season per se. So it'll be a good test for whichever corner is on him, I'm sure. Uh, Bryce Hall, most likely. So, yeah, definitely a winnable game. Uh, You you know, you hope that Thanksgiving prayers are answered and we can upset the Houston Texans led by Tyrod Taylor and Rex Burkhead. <laughs> My lord. Um how did we get to this point, you know? Uh seriously. We, you know, it's interesting too. It, it's week 12 and there's still so much football left to be played. Um which is just so odd. It feels so weird. Yep. And, and it's only one game that has been adjusted to this schedule, but it mm-hmm. just doesn't feel like a normal year. I don't I don't know what yep. it is. Um you know, just talking about this last week being like, we're now near the midway point of the season. And it's like, I feel like we're well beyond that. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, here we are going into week 12. It's Thanksgiving week. And, um, you know, we've we've been consistent as far as showing up for this podcast. The Jets have not been consistent as far as the wins for this year. But mm-hmm. um, let's just have a little fun, Dylan, here. You know, it's Thanksgiving week. Um so, you know, what you got going on here? Um, for me, you know, when it comes to Thanksgiving, um, I'm not too crazy about the turkey. I'll be honest with you. Um, I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably the most overrated thing that comes to the table here. I'm more of a sides guy. Um, and I have to say, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the sides, and I'm a dessert guy. So um, I'm just going to ask you a quick fun question about what's your go-to on Thanksgiving? Um, you know, what are you most excited to, uh, to eat on the Thanksgiving? I have to go sweet mashed potatoes. I just mix all that in, sweet mashed with the corn and the stuffing. I'm a sides guy, too. I just put it all together and just go to town. Yeah, I mean, I could never get enough stuffing. Um, I kind of feel like um, I I probably stuff myself more than the bird gets stuffed. Um, Mm -hmm, Yep. My my aunt hooks up some good mashed potatoes, too. Like, I I do have to admit that. and I do have a sweet tooth, so I do save a lot of room when it comes to the dessert um, portion What's of the meal. What's your pie of choice? And, and, 
So normally there's a traditional cheesecake that's made that is undeniable, and, and usually you have to run to the line to get a slice oh, of that. Um, that's kind of like a family kind of tradition from my, uh, mm-hmm. my father's uh, mother's side. Uh, but apple pie is, is definitely my go-to. My mother yep. makes a phenomenal apple pie. Um, and usually, you know, everybody brings a little something to the table. And, um, you know, there's uh, probably going to be, you know, under over. I'm going to overeat um, yet again probably for, you know, the 39th year in a row. Um, so <laughs> there, there's a good bet right there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I have to say of all the pies, I'm not huge on pumpkin pie. Um, mm-hmm. that, that'll probably be, you know, a lot of people say, what, you know, um, I just don't know what it is. Um, she's not a big pumpkin guy. And I know this is yeah. pumpkin spice season and everything like that, but no, for me, yeah. you know, give me a scoop of vanilla or caramel ice cream with, with some apple pie and I'm a happy oh, boy. Yeah. How about you? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, p- apple is definitely top tier. I think we're going to do a handful of pies, apple, berry, and, and, and pumpkin as well. So I'm definitely going to have a, a little bit of each. I'm going to try the berry pie this year. So, but no, I'm, I'm all day apple pie with ice cream, without ice cream. It doesn't matter. Give it all to me. That's it, man. And that's, that, that's the way you do it. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, I think that about wraps us up here, Dylan. Uh, you know, another good show been rough it's been a rough year um we still got a lot more games that we have to cover this year um you know we're going to try to mix things up as we get down the down the road here we're going to try to get some um interviews in um maybe try to get a couple callers to come in Mm -hmm. and and give us you know some thoughts about the team um i know glenn had anticipated calling tonight uh but we might try to set something up to get the three of us together again um, to do yep. a show or maybe a couple shows. Um, my schedule has changed a little bit. I'm a little bit more flexible now these days, which is really good. Um, I was doing a lot of, you know, work, working nights and doing my nine to five and then trying to squeeze in Jet Nation here. So things are starting to balance out for me over here, which is good. Um, and I definitely look forward to, you know, getting back on the air with Glenn. Um, for those of you who may not know, Glenn's doing a lot more on the YouTube scene. Uh, doing some post-game reactions and things like that. Um, you know, so definitely go check out our YouTube page. Again, if you haven't uh, signed up, JetNation.com has an app. Um, so definitely download that. Um, you can get access to some of the articles that Dylan writes. Dylan writes some great stuff. Um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, are you working on anything um, you know, right now, Dylan, that that'll be coming mm-hmm. out in the next few days. Um, I always feel like we never get to talk about some of the stuff that you got going on, and um, it, maybe you know fans aren't even aware of that. They they should be aware of that. But uh, yeah, what do you got brewing on? Yeah, uh, I don't have anything in the works currently right this second. I'm kind of transitioning as we're getting into November and December into more draft profiles. So I might just put out a couple, uh, you know, like name to watch videos, you know, as we, or articles as we go into December. But a couple weeks back, I put out a, a passing game article to see, you know, just how sustainable our passing offense was. And, you know, lo and behold, it's a little bit more sustainable than I thought, you know, that was you know, before the Mike White four interception game. But other than that, mm. the passing game, you know, the offense has been perking up. So it's really good. And, you know, I'll continue to come out with more and more each week as, you know, stories come out. That's great. That's great, too. I mean, keep it up. Keep it going. Um, you know, it's hard to, you know, get good content these days, especially when you don't have the Jets winning a lot of games. But we do what we can here at Jet Nation. Don't forget mm-hmm. to sign up to the forums. Uh, at JetNation.com, um, nonstop conversation over there. Green Bean's out there doing a YouTube thing. He's on Facebook. He's on Instagram. He's, you know, collaborating with other YouTubers and um, doing a lot of uh, the video, um, you know, networking at the moment right now with some other good YouTube Jet fans. So definitely go check out Green Bean. That's going to be it for us here tonight um, at Jet Nation Radio. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, You know, don't eat too much, but, you know, sometimes you just can't help yourself. So enjoy yourself. Eat all the food you want. (laughs) That's it. You know, at this point in time, get the comfort food in. 
Um, you know, that's usually what I do is I get a lot of good comfort food on Sundays. This way, when yep. things start going bad with the Jets, at least, you know, my belly's happy. So everybody be well, stay safe, and uh, look forward to doing this again next Tuesday, 6.30 p.m., Jet Nation Radio. Uh, for Dylan and myself here, everybody have a great night. And as per usual, let's go Jets. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!